0: Putting on the new man. That's our topic this morning. Colossians 3, verses 9 and 10. The Bible says, Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge, after the image of him that created him. Father, we love you today. What a time of worship it has been already. But God, open our hearts right now. Challenge us as only you can. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. I want to make a quick comment this morning before we get into our message. Charles Spurgeon once said, There's coming a day when the clowns will entertain the goats. And in light of what happened in some churches last weekend on Super Bowl Sunday, the clowns have arrived and the goats were entertained. We need to pray for churches today, folks. Pray, pray, pray. And that's all I will say about that. Putting on the new man. Years ago, our first pastor and his wife, I, I'm, I'm assuming they were driving either to West Virginia, that was our, their home town at the time, or back to our area from West Virginia. And he decided that he was going to take a little nap while she drove. Now, I don't mind Pam driving as long as I'm sleeping. <laughs> and she's, she's not a bad driver. I'm the, I'm the bad driver, I confess that. But anyway... He told me, he said, uh, his wife, her name was Aura, woke him up and said, Honey, there's red lights behind me. And he said, Well, just keep on driving. But he didn't realize they were after her. And I forget exactly how that turned out, uh, but it was an honest mistake. But I said that to say this, if we were to see a policeman walking on the sidewalk, if you were downtown Cincinnati or a place where their policemen are on the beach, how would you recognize that policeman? Probably. his uniform. It's been a while since I've been to a baseball game. Does Cincinnati have a baseball team? Anna, where where are you at? Oh, there she is. But I'm sure that if you went down to the Ball stadium. How would you recognize who were the ball players and who were not? I mean, there that could be you know a thousand people in the fans. How do you know which ones are which? By the uniform. A soldier, if they're in their uniform, you recognize them. Same is true with football players. And there are many professions in our culture, you have to dress the part. People in certain professions wear a certain kind of uniform, and they look the part. Now, I will say this, looking the part in days gone by was very important in our society. And the sad thing is, that's beginning to change, and I don't think it's for the good. A few years ago, someone I know very well, who pastored a church in our area, he doesn't anymore. He's not in our area, but he was making a hospital visit, and I'm assuming he wore, you know, a lot of hospitals will give you a pass or a, some kind of a name tag to wear. Uh, especially if there's restricted visiting that identifies you as a pastor and uh, you're welcome to come in. And a doctor saw him in the elevator and said to him, oh, that's how preachers dress nowadays. Now, to me, I'd have been embarrassed. But my point is, whether right or wrong or indifferent, He didn't look the part. And so there was a time when people dressed according to their role in life. And there was a time when what we wore was important. And it was relative to who we were. In the spiritual sense, we need to dress ourselves spiritually to meet our identity spiritually. So I want to say this morning, if you're a child of God, if you're a child of the King, we just hang about that. You ought to dress the part. And that's what Colossians 3.10 is all about. How? As God's children, we ought to dress. Now, by the way, I am not talking about physical clothing here. And the Bible is not speaking about physical clothing. It's speaking about the spiritual clothing we wear. Referring to the style of life, dressing according to our identity. I'm wondering today that in the Christian realm there might be a lot of people who might get arrested for impersonating a Christian or for trespassing on Christian property because they haven't put on the new man. A few years ago, I had a pair of tennis shoes. I loved them tennis shoes. you got to be careful when you walk because the, the sole would flop. I <laughs> had some friends of ours I was doing some work while I had my business. And I think she offered to buy me a pair of tennis shoes. And finally I went to find him one day and they were gone. Pam doesn't have any idea how close we came to divorce that day. But think about this. When we come to Christ and we put on that new man, that old favorite garment, that old life, that we want to hang on to, my friend, it has to go. It must go. And so trying to explain this from a spiritual standpoint, when we were saved, the moment we gave our life to Jesus Christ, when we believed, when Christ redeemed us, the old man died. So the old man died. This is a spiritual experience for those who were born again. The old man died. We were born again. We were born a new person, a new man in Christ. And I'm including women here as well. And that new man in Christ doesn't want to wear the old man's clothes anymore. That's the whole point of this. Now, I don't know how accurate what I read this past week was, but I'm assuming it's true. I read that when a believer was baptized in the early church, the custom was that when they were baptized, their clothes were thrown away. And that person was given a gift from the believing community A new white robe. A symbol of their new identity. The old man is. I think you sing a song about that, Rick. Yeah. The old man's died. He's dead. And that is the significance of water baptism. It doesn't save us, but it's it's an outward picture of an inward reality. We have died to the old life. We are buried with Christ. And we were raised to walk in the newness of life. And that sort of illustrates what we read here in Colossians chapter 3. Us dying with Christ, rising in new life, getting rid of the old clothes and the old garments, and putting on a brand new wardrobe. A brand new lifestyle to accommodate our brand new life. So what does it mean? What does it mean to put off the old man and put on the new man? And I mentioned last week, this sounds kind of complicated, but it's not. In reality, it is a simply an act of faith. A decision we make. I am not going to follow the old man. I don't want to live the old lifestyle. But now I'm going to live for Christ. Christ in me. The hope of glory. So how do we put on the new man? I'm glad you asked. Number one. By being renewed in the spirit of our mind. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 22 through 24. Paul writes that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. And the first thing I noticed when I read those couple of verses, there's a contrast, a definite difference between the old man and the new man. Verse 22, the old man. The old man grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust. So our our old man, our old self, was being corrupted by our lust. And the verb form in the Greek reveals a continual process and my friend before I was saved I was in danger thank you Lord for saving me I have no doubt in my mind except for the Lord Jesus Christ coming and saving my soul I would not be married to my wife today I was not a good person and the Bible says in yourself you won't get better you get what you get worse worse you continually get, get corrupted, a continual process. It's a it's a complete degeneration, and it leads to spiritual death. And what I didn't realize, my old nature was like a cancer. It spread, and it was destroying my life. Thank God for Jesus. But that's the old man. Christ comes along, and he offered me a new self. But understand something. We have to desire the help of Christ to put off the old self. We cannot do it on our own power. So uh, we take off the old dirty garments and we exchange it for something clean and something new. And so we can take off the old filthy self and exchange it for the pure, clean self that is now provided by the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, by the way, the putting off happened when you were saved. But we have to drive out the remaining parts of it day by day by day by day. Look at verse 24 again, Ephesians 4. And that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness. And holiness. And so this new man we're to put on is a new creation. We are brand new in the Lord Jesus Christ. And this new creation gives me a different bent on life. I now begin to walk in a new direction. And by the way, that's a part of repenting. It's an about-face. You were going one way, and now you're going another direction. It's a military t- term, about faith. So this new self, this new man, is a brand new relationship we have with Jesus Christ, and that changes our walk in life. And this new man, this new creation, occurred once and for all. But every Christian, every born-again child of God, needs to take that and appropriate that, God's image, Through the spiritual renewal of our mind, we must change the way we think. And the Bible says that our new self is according to the likeness of God. And it brings with it the characteristic of true righteousness and holiness. Now hold on. Every man, boy, woman, or girl ever lived was created originally in the image of God. Adam and Eve sinned and that image was marred. When Jesus Christ comes into our life, He recreates an image in us. We are now a new creation in Jesus Christ. And now, whenever you have a right relationship with God, you know it because you begin to live right. A right relationship always results in right behavior. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 14 through 16. Please follow along very carefully, and I'll make some comments so you understand I know what Paul's talking about here. Verse 14 is talking about Christ. Paul says, for he himself, Christ, is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh, talking about Christ, the enmity that is in the law of commandments contained in the ordinance, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace, and that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. Now, let me, again, take a moment to share some things here to help us understand what's going on. Paul is writing here in the context of the enmity between the Jew and the Gentile. In that culture, in that world, if you weren't a Jew, guess what? You were a Gentile. There are only two groups of people considered, for the most part. And if they went to worship, there was, a, there was a wall in the courtyard. And on that wall, there were signs posted every, every so often. So many feet. And the sign basically said, if you're a Gentile, and you step over this wall, go beyond this wall, you're going to die. So Paul is primarily talking about here, that when Jesus died, he tore that wall down. But we also know that when Jesus died, the curtain to the holy place, the Holy of Holies, was torn as well. So, again, I understand what Paul's saying here, but also let me point out a couple of things here. There in verse 15, Paul said, He abolished in his flesh the enmity that the law of commandments contained the ordinances as to create in himself, notice this, one new man. So at the cross, corporately there's one new man. There's no Jew, no Gentile, no Barbarian, no Scythian, no Greek. All one in Christ. So the new man, and hear me well, in application was created on the cross. Jesus made that possible. So yes, the new man was indeed created on the cross. But later on in Ephesians chapter 4, we just read a moment ago, the Bible said we've got to put off the old man. Now again, there's only one man. Christ made us all one in himself when he died on Calvary. That's corporate. And so we put off the old man, not by being taught to. We're not trained to put off the old man. We're not educated to put it off. And we can't be instructed to put it off. But we put off the old man by being renewed in the spirit of our mind. That's how we put off the old man. And whenever we are being renewed in the spirit of our mind we don't just put off the old man we also are putting on a new man. A new man which is created after the image of God. Thank God for Jesus. And that's part of our identity. And again in righteousness and holiness of truth. And here's what I had to learn. I hope you've learned it as well. The new man in Christ was never on us. It wasn't in us. In fact, on ourselves, nothing of the new man could exist. And that's why the Bible said we're to put it on. We're to put him on where the new man, which Jesus created on the cross. We're to put that new man on. And the way we put the new man on is by being renewed in the spirit of our mind. Folks, please don't miss how important that is. Being renewed in the spirit of our mind. Ephesians 4.23. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Anybody here alive this morning? Anybody still awake after singing that pillow song? By the way, I do love that song. Great, a great hymn. But do you realize this morning that you are composed of a spirit, a soul, and a body? 1 Thessalonians 5 23. And the very God of peace. Sanctify you wholly. Not H-O-L-L-Y, but W-H-O-L-L-Y completely. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So without a doubt, the Bible is clear. We are made up of a spirit, soul, and a body. By the way, you know this body's only a shell. If the Lord carries and, and I pass away, and you come and walk by my casket, don't worry about me. That's just a shell. The nut went to heaven already. This is a shell. But yet, Paul says his prayer was that God would sanctify our spirit, our soul, and our body. It's interesting. The soul is composed of the mind. Psalm 139, verse 14. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and my soul knows that right well. It takes a mind to know that. So the soul is composed of the mind. But also the soul is composed of emotion. 1 Samuel 18, 1. It came to pass, when he had made an end of speaking unto Saul, that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. You see the emotion there? The soul is composed of the mind and emotion. But also, and by the way, I had about 20 verses. I thought that's too many. All right. We're just keeping three here this morning. The soul composed of the will. Job 6, 7. Job said, my soul refuses to touch them. They are as loathsome food to me. So the will made a decision. I'm not going to touch that. So the soul has a mind, has emotion, and it has a will. Now the day you were born again, the Spirit of God came into your life. The Spirit of God came into your spirit. Romans 8, 16. The Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And this is a testimony that The regenerating spirit of God indwells our own spirit. He bears with us. And by the way, the divine spirit dwells in our human spirit here and now. Right now at this moment. 1 Corinthians 6, 17. But he that is joined unto the Lord is what? One spirit. And so what we're seeing here is a mingling of the Lord as a spirit with our spirit. And the more we pray, the more we fellowship with the Lord, the more we call on His dear name, the more we open our entire being to Him, the more our spirit spreads into our mind, and consequently, the more the spirit of our mind becomes like Jesus. It's in that kind of spirit we are renewed for transformation. So how do we put on the new man? Number one, by being renewed in the spirit of the Number two, by being filled in the spirit, by drinking the spirit for renewing the mind. What well, a lot, isn't it? Okay? Ephesians 5.18. The Bible says, be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the spirit. We are commanded to be filled with the spirit. To be drunk with wine is to fill the body, but to be filled with the Spirit, we're talking about our regenerated Spirit, is to be filled with Christ. Our lives are to be filled with Christ, Ephesians 1, 22 and 23. The Bible says that He, Christ, put all things under His feet and gave Him to be the head over all things for the church, which is His body, the fullness of Him who fills all in all we are children of the king, and every believer, as a part of the body of Christ, is filled by Christ, who fills everything, everywhere, with His presence. Thank you, Lord. His presence dwells in us. Ephesians 3:19: To know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. My friend, that's the new man. As we get to know Christ better, we will be filled with all the Spirit, the fullness of God. What does it mean when something is full? Think about that. What does fullness mean? Fullness means there is nothing lacking in my relation with Christ, with God. Is full in Christ. God pours His love into us. God pours His power into us, and God makes us complete for this life, and He makes us complete here, so we'll be ready for the life to come. Amen. We're preparing for eternal life. The fullness of God is fully expressed in our Lord Jesus Christ. Colossians 2, 9 and 10. For in Him, in Christ, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And ye are complete in Him, which is the head of all principality and power. My friend, if you're looking to be full of God, look to Christ. You don't need to look anywhere else. But it's up to you and I to appropriate His presence. To appropriate His power. And we do that through faith. We do it through prayer. As we live for Him day in and day out. Lord, we need Your presence. And the ultimate goal that God has for our life is that we would be conformed to the image of His Son, that you and I would become Christ-like people. And my friend, my prayer today is that when people see us out in the world, when our friends, our co-workers, the people we associate with, do business with, that they might see Jesus. Yes. two of the Greeks came to Philip one day toward the end of the ministry of Christ on earth. And when Philip asked him, what do you want? He said, sir, we would see Jesus. We want to see Jesus. My prayer is that people see Jesus in our lives. And the great news is we can ask the Holy Spirit to fill every aspect of our life. To the fullest. And God wants to spread from our spirit to our mind but also to our emotion and our will. He wants to control every part of our life. He wants to sanctify, set apart every part. Our body, our soul, and our spirit. Our emotion and our will and our mind. And then as we walk with God our regenerative spirit mingles with the indwelling spirit of God. It spreads through our mind, and in this mind, this mingled spirit of our mind, are being renewed. To drink of the Spirit is to open ourselves to Jesus. By praying to Him, by calling out to Him, and by fellowshipping with Him. John 7, verse 37 and 39. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. Then verse 39. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. We looked at this verse on a Wednesday night a few weeks ago in our Bible study. I wonder sometimes most of our people don't know we have Wednesday night, but we still do. A lot of churches don't, but we still do. We appreciate those who are able to come. We appreciate our focus program that goes on Wednesday night as well. But the Bible says that Jesus stood there that last day of the feast. And uh, if you were here on that Wednesday night, I shared the background of that. The actual feast was actually seven days when they did the ceremony, but the eighth day they would pray for rain. And each day of that feast, the priest would take a pitcher, a golden pitcher, filled with water. And he would stand before a rock, and he would pour that water on that rock. Of course, commemorating the water that God provided in the wilderness. But also praying that God would give them rain for their crops. But like most people in the world, they missed what God wanted them to have. God wanted them to have living water. And I can only imagine that Jesus watched that ritual for seven days, he finally had enough. Because he knew that what was happening there in that ritual had no lasting value. It didn't meet their genuine need. So Jesus says, if you're really thirsty... You're really thirsty. Run to me. And then John explains that he was talking about the Spirit. That those who would trust Christ would receive. Now, I don't know about you, but there's nothing when you're thirsty like a cool glass of water. Amen? But my friend, When your heart and your soul is thirsty, there's nothing like the water Jesus can give you. So the Spirit of God today, for you and I as Christians, the Spirit of God is our drinking water. And the more we drink of the Spirit, the more He fills us with Himself. And the more He saturates our mind to renew it, and transforms our life. So we put on the new man, number one, by being renewed in the spirit of our mind. Number two, by drinking the spirit for the renewing of our mind. And number three, to renew the mind for one new man. Now there is no doubt, according to the word of God, that this renewing of our mind is for our Christian behavior. But it's not just that. It's not just that. We can get our mind renewed by allowing it to be filled, possessed, if you will, taken over by the Spirit of God. We have to pray. We have to fellowship with the Lord. We have to call on His name, and we even have to make a thorough confession of our sins. That's important. And then we will be transformed and my friend, our behavior will change. And this is true. But also, we can't miss the fact another reason for being renewed in the spirit of our mind is for that one new man. Colossians 3, 10 and 11. And having... I'm sorry, and had put on the new man which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Notice this. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, nor circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond, nor free, but Christ is all in all. In the new man, Hear me well. Greek and Jew. Circumcision, uncircumcision. Barbarian, Scythian, bond or free. But Christ is all in all. I never realized the importance of this until our friend Greg Gerber married Paris, a Chinese lady. Great Christian. And we became very close with you. Many of you did as well. And we missed them. They moved down south. But I remember Greg told me on several occasions the problem in winning Chinese to Christ, their mindset is that Christianity is America's God. But aren't you glad that in Christ there's only one new man? Not Jew, not Greek. Not Chinese, not American. In fact, in Christ, there's no room for that natural man. Think about that. The new man is not Chinese, not Japanese, not French, not English, not German, not American. The new man is Christ. Christ is all in all in the new man. So what does it tell me? In the new man, there simply cannot be Jew or Greek. In the new man, there cannot be any Chinese or Japanese. In the new man, there can't be white or black. Because if you're in Christ, we all need to be renewed for the existence of one new man. And that's Jesus Christ in us. We don't have cable TV. And if you do, that's okay. I'm just too tight to pay for it. I like free stuff. But we do get Jimmy Swagger's broadcast. And I don't normally listen to a lot of his preaching because a lot of his preaching is not biblical. That's okay. He doesn't agree with everything I say either, but he still, you know, uh, I still listen to some of it. But on Saturday evenings, Donnie Swagger, his son, has a program called Preachers, Patriots, and Providence. love to watch that. And it's amazing of how we don't read that in history books, how James Madison prayed for rain, and it rained, how God's providence works. But last night he spoke about the War of 1812. What year did it happen, Rick? I don't know. But anyway, uh, Battle of New Orleans. Andrew Jackson didn't hardly have a chance, and he was outnumbered about about, about one hundred to one. I mean, he had uh, sharpshooters uh, from Tennessee who shot muskrats and coon. He had them from all over the country. He only had about four or five thousand men, and the British had so much more. The fog set in, and the interesting—the Americans couldn't see the movement of the British. But all of a sudden, when the British got close, the fog lifted, and now the British couldn't see the Americans. And within an hour, hundreds of their officers, the British, were killed. But after that war was—that battle was won. And by the way, they were—they didn't know it, but they were already signing a peace treaty somewhere in, in, in Europe. But from that point on, you didn't say I'm a North Carolinian, or I'm a West Virginian, or I'm a Pennsylvanian. When somebody asked you, you said I'm American. I'm an American. Now, Bob, we need to get back get back to that today too, all right? But I want to tell you. When you come to Christ, it doesn't matter who you were, or who you are. And we now are Christians. We've been renewed in the spirit of our mind, and now we're renewed in a person. Put on the new man. Let's stand together. Don't you love him today? Aren't you glad he broke down that middle wall of And now we're all one in Christ. And we need to put on that new man. Father, we do love you today and we thank you so much for your word. And and I pray, Lord, that we'll allow your word not just to lay on the hardened soil, but God, to penetrate our hearts. I pray, Lord, that where conviction is needed, we'll accept that, Lord, and you'll send it. I pray that we'll continually be renewed in the spirit of our mind to be more like you. I pray for those that may be listening online today, God, who are not saved. I pray you'll speak to their heart. They'll let you, God, do that. I pray for my own dad, God, who needs a Savior. Break down his hardened heart. I pray, Father, for those who think they're saved and hope they are, but not sure about that. And their losses can be. And I pray for those who are born again. Help us to be renewed daily. In the spiritual mind. And we'll pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. We always give you an opportunity to pray. You can come forward and pray. You can pray where you are.